2: This is Fantasy Football Today from CBS Sports. What a play! Can you believe this? (laughs) No, I can't. It's time to dominate your fantasy league.
1: Off to the races, and he stays on his feet. That's just going to go the distance.
2: Now, here's some combination of Adam, Dave, Jamie, and Heath. All right, what's up, everybody?
0: Welcome to an early look at breakouts. You can go to our website, cbssports.com fantasy, and you'll see articles on sleepers, breakouts, and busts this week. Uh, Heath is handling the breakouts article. Dave Richard is here. He's got the busts article coming out later as well. I am Adam Azer, and looking forward to this show, which you know, a lot of times is basically just draft guys going into their second year. We're going to test that theory a little bit, but there definitely will be a lot of second-year running backs and wide receivers that we talk about, not so much the quarterbacks this year uh dave hey man haven't heard from you in a while what's up what's
1: up dude how you doing doing pretty well yeah yeah you know, great No, no all right great awesome. awesome Awesome. no one cares let's, right, let's yeah, talk fantasy.
0: No one cares about that um all right heath i got a couple of uh twitter polls based on some breakouts and <laughs> okay, good. one of them is uh, two of your wide receiver breakouts and probably two of dave's because they're both your two guys who would you rather have on your fantasy team christian watson or drake london and I don't know if you guys
2: saw the results. You see the results? See results? I would. <clears throat> I did not see results. Um, I, there wasn't an option for that, and I wasn't sure who I'd rather have. So I was unable to participate. <laughs> uh, wow. So if you were so if you were drafting and those two were on the
0: board and you couldn't just click like a see results, you would just pass over both of them and not draft just, either one. I'd, I'd probably take Ken Walker or Tony Pollard.
1: <laughs>
0: that is the next poll. Dave, who would you vote for, Watson or London?
1: Unlike Heath, I will stop at any Twitter poll and give four seconds of attention and click a button without see results being there. And the button that I clicked was Christian Watson. I think he's got more upside. I think he's got the better shot to be the number one receiver on his team. London might be the number one receiver in Atlanta, but we know that Kyle Pitts is there, too. And I love Watson's upside. And I'm not ready to say that Jordan Love is going to be a complete disaster at quarterback. So give me Christian Watson first.
2: Okay. No, so I'm going to – I do have an answer. Um, I was just making a joke about no-see results. Um, <laughs> but I, I think it's it's interesting. Like I think quarterback situation is probably very similar. Uh, it's two guys who probably aren't going to be great passers, probably aren't going to be complete disasters. Um, Kyle Pitts is a bigger threat to total targets than, than Romeo Dobbs is, I suppose. But we saw London earn a much bigger target share last year than we saw Watson earn, right? Um, and and like, in terms of upside, one of these guys was a top 10 pick in the NFL draft. I have a hard time saying anybody has more upside than Drake London from that class. Uh,
0: well, I'm saying that. Yeah. Well, you know, look, Michael Thomas ended up being the best wide receiver in his class. Devontae yeah. Adams, maybe the, that was one of the best wide receiver classes ever. So... We don't want to get too strict in, you know, the first guy
2: drafted has the most upside. There are reasons why Christian Watson fell to the second round. Well, yeah, but <clears throat> I don't think Watson showed us anything last year that should change. Like eventually, it becomes obvious that a guy who was drafted in the third or fourth round ended up being the best wide receiver. I don't think the difference between what Watson and London did last year as players would would be enough to make up for their difference in draft capital the first year. I guess was what I was saying.
0: What do you think, Dave?
1: What about a guy that was drafted 34th overall, so just past round one, who's got size and speed that's really tough for defenses to deal with? That's Christian Watson, and I I think that he's only going to get better. Uh, Here's what bothers me about Drake London. Ten games last year with Kyle Pitch. you know how many times he had more than 15 PPR points in those ten games? Three. Anybody? Three. Lower. Two. Lower. No way. One lower than two. <laughs> One is the answer. Week two. Remember, you had that big game in week two, and then we thought, oh, this is it. Drake London break on. then the week after that, 14.4. And he did have a 14.8 game a little bit later on, but never over 15 with Kyle Pitts on the field. And I, I hearken back to a conversation that Heath had when I was going gaga over Gabe Davis and Isaiah McKenzie in Buffalo. And he made the point about how. Well, certainly Stephon Diggs is going to get his. Is there enough there for both of those other receivers to go and get their numbers? And he was right. There certainly wasn't enough. Neither one of them really got their numbers. And it's a different type of equation when you talk about the Falcons. I'm not convinced the Falcons are about to become a turn-it-loose passing offense. And so if they're not going to throw it that much, is there enough there for two guys, Kyle Pitts and Drake London, to both have great statistical seasons, and it and, makes me a little I'm, bit nervous because I think Pitts has a shot to be—I uh, think he's got a better shot to have a bigger season than London does.
2: Yeah, and I think that's the thing is like if you've already decided that Kyle Pitts is definitely better than Drake London, then that argument would make a lot more sense. I—I I don't think we've seen enough evidence to know who the better option is between the two of them.
0: Well, I—I would take a say. Just say that's they're fair. similar. Say they're similar, right? And they put up similar numbers. Well, that could be a breakout season at tight end, but a pretty ho-hum season at wide receiver. I think that, you know, it doesn't have to be that one of them is better than the other. If they're both great players who are both drafted into the top 10 and they're on a, you know, low-volume passing offense, which has been the case in three of four seasons under Arthur Smith, whether it's two years with Tennessee, two years with Atlanta, only one year has he been on a team that threw the ball a lot. That would be the argument, um, you know, against... London, It's just, you know, not enough volume. You know, it reminds me a little bit of Marquise Brown. Um, Never really broke out with the Ravens. Wasn't a bad player, but sharing with Mark Andrews on a team that doesn't put up big passing numbers. Um, Also, but but I just want to I didn't mention this, Heath. Drake London is crushing the Twitter poll. (laughs) He's (laughs) right. People like of the about 800 votes we have. uh, I posted this just an hour ago or so. uh, Drake London. Like six, over sixty percent
2: of the votes. No. So. Um, also, I want to go back to: Are we are we sure that Michael Thomas was the best wide receiver from? Yeah, you know, I said it. No. Was he? Who was in that class?
0: Tyree Kill. Yes. Oh, oh, he even drafted even later than Michael Thomas. So also true. Um. Yeah, both are great, obviously. But anyway, uh, these two guys, you know, are both on are both on both of your break are on your breakout lists, right? Both London and Watson. Yeah. Yeah. So it's not arguing against either one, really. Uh, It's just a matter of who would you rather have. Uh, Right now, the audience is saying they'd rather have Drake London, but these are players that maybe you can get in round five. Christian Watson went in round four in our draft a couple weeks ago. Drake London went in round five. Let's go to our next Twitter poll here. Who would you rather have on your fantasy team? Ken Walker or Tony Pollard? As we continue the theme of breakout running backs, who would you rather have, Ken Walker or Tony Pollard? And right now Ken Walker has sixty-two point four percent of the votes. We have eight hundred and twenty-five votes as we do this podcast. Uh, Heath, what side are you on, Walker or Pollard?
2: That this question's gonna be answered in, in about three and a half weeks, I think. Um, but like let's see how high the Cowboys draft a running back. If you tell me that it's Tony Pollard, Malik Davis, and Ronald Jones entering the year, then Tony Pollard is my answer. Assuming the Cowboys take a running back on the first couple of days of the NFL draft, then Ken Walker will be my answer.
1: Dave? I agree 100%. It really comes down to who is Tony Pollard going to share with. If he's not sharing with anybody of major concern, then he's, he's the answer. As of now, he's the better pass catcher. And for what it's worth, he had the better stats last year for fantasy than Kenneth Walker. Better in PPR points per game. Slightly better in consistency definitely better in targets per game and that was while he was sharing for the majority of the season with Ezekiel Elliott now there's something to be said about Kenneth Walker taking a step forward in a second season not hitting a rookie wall offensive line being better etc cetera, etc cetera. so th- it's not a big gap in fact they could very easily be back to back in anybody's rankings but as long as Pollard isn't sharing I like his trajectory better
0: would you consider taking both of them let's say at Picks 12 and 13. Walker, uh, Walker yes. and Pollard. Yes. Okay.
2: All right. Well, those
1: are two guys. The non-PPR league, I, hell yes.
2: Oh, well. I, yeah. I've just not been prepared to argue things in the order that we're talking about them, so now I have to go back to the... I'm pretty sure that Christian Watson only had one game with 15 PPR fantasy points when Romeo Dobbs played. that be true. Um,
0: well, that's really only four games, right, at the end of the season. And Dobbs actually wasn't even playing a full snap share then. Of course, right. Lazard was, and you are right about that, Heath. And it was 16.6 fantasy points in the last game against Detroit. Now, what am I gonna say, Heath? He left week 16. That they also played six games together before Romeo Dobbs got hurt. Not really. I mean, Watson was barely playing in those games. He right. was not playing his full snap share because here. he didn't. Okay. Because he well he missed training camp and he missed the preseason. Uh, anyway, um, he got hurt in week 16 against Miami. He had 11 fantasy points in one half. Week fit, Week 17 against Minnesota. Remember, that, that I had forgotten about that game. Jamie reminded me. That was the game. It was the championship week. We didn't know, should we start Christian Watson? Is he going to play? It was a 4 o'clock game, as I recall. It was mayhem. He played. He was a decoy. He did things that were... You really discredit Christian Watson
2: way too much, Heath Cummings. You don't give him the credit he deserves. He did some amazing things last year. He did amazing things. He did some very Gabe Davis things. I mean, I... He scored a whole bunch of touchdowns and had some really huge plays in a small sample size.
0: And he did it as a rookie. You know, Gabe Davis really didn't. In the last eight games of the season, he was a top 10 wide receiver.
2: Well, he did it at the same age that Gabe just did it. Davis just came into the league a lot younger. He did it as a
1: rookie. It's all about opportunity. (laughs) (laughs) Both of these guys got an opportunity and both of them did well with it. Now we know what happened when Gabe Davis got more of an opportunity last year. We'll see what Christian Watson does with his opportunity this year.
2: Also, like using fifteen-point cutoff and acknowledging that he had two games within zero point six points of fifteen in the same stretch is just intentionally trolling Heath.
1: <laughs> it's something you would okay. do now, but that's still three out of ten. Heath, it's not great.
0: <laughs> All right, let's uh, let's give a shout out. To Elliot Smilowitz. He won our bracket challenge on the back of the Yukon Huskies, and he is in the podcast league. Elliot, congratulations. Longtime listener. Welcome to the podcast league. Uh, now, Elliot, you and the rest of the listeners have a job to do, and you only have maybe one day to do it. Please, please, please vote for us. Sportspodcastgroup.com. Uh, the link is in the episode description, whether you're listening, whether you're watching on YouTube, YouTube.com slash fantasy football today. But uh, you'll see the link there, or you can just go to sportspodcastgroup.com and vote for fantasy football today in the fantasy and sports betting category. We are running out of time. Your vote will determine who wins this category. Vote for fantasy football today, fantasy and sports betting. Please be listening to the With the First Pick podcast hosted by Ryan Wilson and Rick Spielman. Rick Spielman, the former general manager of the Vikings, drafted Adrian Peterson, Dalvin Cook, Justin Jefferson. He did that IRL. So now you'll find out who he's going to draft in his mock drafts. Obviously, the draft coming up in just a few weeks. With the First Pick, amazing podcast. Check it out. All right, I wanted to talk about just the idea, I guess, of loading up on second-year players uh, because that is a – Frequent breakout year makes sense. Oh, by the way, Heath, do we get to playfully make fun of you for having Bijan Robinson on your breakouts list?
2: We have 100% had rookies in our breakout columns for the last eight years that I've worked here. So if you would like to playfully make fun of it, it's fine. Yeah. But it's standard practice at CBS Sports.
0: And I think it should be standard practice to make fun of it.
2: No rookies can be breakouts, is your opinion. Well, I mean, technically, every rookie is going to break out, right? I mean, it's <laughs> no, a breakout is someone who has by the by the very Adam Azer definition yeah. of the difference between a sleeper and a breakout, yeah. a, a rookie could absolutely be a great breakout candidate. What is a breakout, Adam?
0: Oh, well, a sleeper wins you weeks. A breakout wins you leagues. TM. Okay, so yes, I agree. It's it's I, I will make fun of you, but you know, I, it's legit.
1: Um, anyway. Hold on, hold on, hold on. Could Heath make the argument that Bijan's rookie year will be his best year? Yeah. That's a breakout.
0: Yeah. I mean, it has been for Saquon Barkley, right? Yeah. Uh, do you want to just talk generally about this? Uh, is there a point where you can project a little bit too much with second-year players and go too crazy? Is it, Do you make it a priority to have these guys? Because your your list is, both of your lists are going to have a number of second-year players at running back and wide receiver. Um, talk about that philosophically, Dave.
1: Yeah, I mean, there, there's always things that we get excited about with second-year players. When you're, when you're predicting a breakout, you're predicting that we're all going to see something that we've never seen before from a specific player. And so it's, it's a lot easier to say, all right, a guy that was a rookie last year takes the step in his second year. And maybe we should be a little bit more strict on how we just lay out that breakout sash on every single player. Like it's easy to make the case for Garrett Wilson. Now, number one receiver in New York, Aaron Rodgers is his quarterback. Team should throw a little bit more Uh, familiarity uh, with the offense will help the learning curve for Aaron Rodgers. uh, That's a breakout. That's pretty easy to make. It's harder to make that same type of breakout case for Traylon Burks or John Dotson, or maybe even Christian Watson and Drake London. So maybe we should be a little more serious about how we label those breakout guys. But for now, we're talking about candidates to break out, not guarantee that these guys are, are, you know, everything's going to go right for them. And when you take them, you're going to win your fantasy league. But keeping the idea in the back of your head that a breakout is going to win you your league is probably something that should be the tiebreaker between a, a second year player that you feel okay about and a second year player that you are for sure. Like, absolutely positive he's going to have a monster year. Like, I think Garrett Wilson is going to help a lot of people win their fantasy leagues. Yeah. I I think
2: I'm more interested in the second-slash-third-year wide receiver angle than at any other position. It's, I think running back's a pretty mixed bag. I think tight end, you may be better off looking at the third and fourth-year options than the second-year option. Um, quarterbacks, we can see them make a leap. There's just nobody you would want to make that bet on this year. Right. Um, so I, it's, it's really, when you're talking about the second year for me, it's more about the wide receivers, especially with this class. I don't, I think I only gave you three second year wide receivers for the show. My column is going to lead off talking about six or seven of them. Yeah. Um, you could, you could legitimately make a breakout case for a half dozen or more second year wide receivers.
0: Yes. Now. Let's look at the second-year wide receivers from last season, and maybe we'll even look at 2021, because it is also a mixed bag there, because the top three, and these guys were all picked in, with the first 11 picks in the NFL draft, Jamar Chase, Jalen Waddle, Devontae Smith. Smith had a really interesting season because he didn't break out until Dallas Goddard got hurt, but you just wonder if he would have. I mean, he, he is such a good player, but um, Jamar Chase, Waddle, Devontae Smith, those were obviously great picks no matter where you picked them. I mean, he dealt with the Chase injury, but... Uh, he was he was amazing when he played. Then the next three, um, this is not in order of ADP or anything, but the next three, this is an order of how they were drafted in the NFL draft: Kadarius Tony, Rashad Bateman, and Elijah Moore. I mean, they were definitely on breakout lists, right? So that's three three good, three bad. Then you had you know, oh, Amon St. Brown it was obviously a win. Um, Rondell Moore, Rondell Moore was not a bad pick, you know, when he was healthy and playing that slot role. Josh Palmer, Nico Collins, these were late-round picks. But let's say maybe four four good ones, Chase Waddle, Devontae Smith, Amonra St. Brown, and three busts, Kadarius Tony, Rashad Bateman, Elijah Moore, and the rest were kind of late-round picks. Um, the year before, second-year wide receivers were Ruggs, Judy, CeeDee Lamb. I don't think anybody cared about Jalen Rager. Justin Jefferson, Brandon Ayuk, T. Higgins, Michael Pittman, Laviska Chenault, Chase Claypool, Gabe Davis, Darnell Mooney, some others. So, I don't know. I guess, Heath, I would say definitely some success stories there, but they're not all going to work
2: out, right? So... Oh, no, they won't all. And that's like they've said, we're talking about breakout candidates. If I talk about seven of these guys, if four of them are really good, I'd consider that successful. Um, If five are really good, then it was an awesome year. But I do think it it, not entirely because Jefferson kind of messes things up and and obviously 2021 messes things up with rugs being first. But if you look at last year, it's it's the guys who were drafted to be really good who turned out to be really good.
0: Right, and then Kadarius Tony and Rashad Bateman are kind of interest or different, different scenarios.
2: Well, yeah, I mean, I think they were first round picks, but there's a difference between the the NFL chose the other three ahead of them, so they're the fourth and fifth wide receiver drafted.
0: Right, but what's the difference between Kadarius Tony this time last year and Jahan Dotson right now, or Traylon Burks right now?
2: Um Jahan well, Burks nothing. It's a great comp. Um I think Burks was viewed as a better prospect than Tony coming out. Um, Dotson played a lot more football and had a lot more success as a rookie than Tony did. Tony had basically one and a half good
1: games as a rookie. Yeah,
2: Elijah. I could say Elijah Moore.
0: Then maybe would be comparison to Jahan Dotson.
1: Elijah Moore had like I want to say like four or five. I could look it up if you want the actual. He had about a five five to six game stretch. I think Elijah
2: Moore and and yeah, Dotson could be good. All right. Well, I don't mean to be too negative here, but
0: look, you you get you get some second year guys. Some of them are gonna work out, some of them aren't, but this is a this is a breakout year for sure. And we'll talk about more of those players. And we do have some news items for you, and we'll be right back on fantasy football today. All right, welcome back, everybody. Quick news items here. We'll get back to the breakouts. Austin Eckler said, worst case scenario, he'll go back to the Chargers. He'll play out his final season of his contract, bet on himself, and become a free agent next season. Uh, I like it. I like it. You like it? Okay, good. Does that make you confident that he'll be keep him in
1: L.A. That's his best spot.
0: Okay. Uh, The Patriots are reportedly shopping Mac Jones. And Dalvin Cook had uh, shoulder surgery. Remember, his shoulder always pops out of place. So this is hopefully going to fix that.
2: As we talked about yesterday on Fantasy Football Today Dynasty, there is some, some talk, some rumors that as soon as that shoulder is healthy enough to pass a physical, that is when the Vikings will let Dalvin Cook go, because they have to pay him more if they cut him when he can't pass a physical than they do if they cut him after he can pass a physical.
0: And if you are looking for that show, it is an, a video-only show. It's on youtube.com slash Today. Go there. Click the live tab. You'll see an archive of all of our shows that we did live, and it's there. Heath is in the thumbnail. I don't know why Heath's the only one who gets to be in thumbnails these days, um, but
2: uh, Heath's show.
1: <laughs> it's his show, man. Well, we he could all
2: it. we could rotate in the thumbnails of this show. You know, we Just, uh, we've done that in the past. Yeah, I've yeah. seen. I've
0: Does seen. Does anybody Dave's really want to click on my on face? Apparently, that is a thing. People want to click on thumbnails with people in them, that uh, with like us in them. Making goofy face, you know.
2: I'm doing a goofy, <laughs> doing a goofy face. I just had this weird <laughs> visual of thumbnails with people in them. Thumbnails, like like, like actual literal, like
0: thumbnails. literal thumbnails. Yeah, yeah. Um. All right. So anyway, YouTube.com/slash/ fantasy football today for that. Back to the breakouts. You guys gave me a ton of breakouts, and only one quarterback was on there, and it was Heath's breakouts. We'll start with Heath's, and it was Justin Fields. Oh man, what could stop him
2: from breaking out? What could st- an injury be the first thing? Um, that might be it. <laughs> I, uh, yeah, I think he should be the consensus breakout candidate at quarterback. I felt bad that I, after I thought about it, that I didn't put Travis, Trevor Lawrence on there as well, because he should be right there in that group as well of guys who could be a lot better than they were last year. It'll be easier for Lawrence because he wasn't near as good last year as Fields. Um, But no, I I think Fields could make a leap to QB1. And my assumption, my projection, my expectation is that he's a top-five quarterback this year, which in itself would be a breakout.
0: Man, you know, it's so funny because I've been... How long have we been working together, Heath? Like eight years? Eight years, yeah. When he says... It'll be easier for Lawrence because he wasn't as good as Justin Fields last year. I don't know if he's just stating fact or if he's ribbing me a little bit. I don't know. I feel like that (laughs) was directed at me. And I I just you know, I, I just don't know. I'm just so confused sometimes with Heath, you know, but he, I mean, Fields was definitely a lot better in fantasy than
2: than Lawrence. There's certainly no question about that. But they both have that that magic factor that we've seen with these young breakout quarterbacks. Justin Fields got D.J. Moore. Trevor Lawrence hopefully gets prime Calvin Ridley, and those those types of things we saw it with Jalen Hurts and A.J. Brown. We saw it with jo- jo- Josh Allen and Stefan Diggs. We saw with Andre Hopkins and Kyler Murray, there is nothing more helpful to a young quarterback developing as a passer than to get a wide receiver on his team that gets open all the time.
0: Yeah, Dave, I don't really know what else to say about Justin Fields. I mean, I guess we could just say where where would you draft him? I believe Heath has him ahead of Burrow. Is that accurate?
1: Yeah, how about you, Dave? He's a spot behind Burrow for me, but I completely echo the sentiments. It's the rushing upside on top of him. Yeah, his, his efficiency as a passer last year, and I really need to say outside of the red zone, was awful. Inside the red zone, he, he was tops in the NFL in completion rate and touchdown rate. A lot of people don't know that about him. Yeah. Did a whole video on DJ Moore on YouTube. Check it out. Um, if Fields can improve outside of the red zone, then I like his chances to have better passing numbers this year and better passing efficiency overall. And I still think he's going to run the Dickens out of it. When, he, when a play breaks down, and, and that's got to be baked into his profile as well. He does have QB1 upside, but so too do Mahomes, Hurts, Josh Allen, and Joe Burrow. Really close call for me between Burrow and Fields. Burrow better than Fields on a per-game basis last year, and so it's hard for me to really believe that, that Fields can take just a, a huge jump ahead of Burrow. I think it'll be close. And uh, and that's really it. The injury thing with fields, yeah, it's a concern. But I bet you'll see Chicago's offensive line play better, just like you'll see Cincinnati's offensive line play better next year. If, if you think you can get fields after Burrow, wait for fields, draft fields in that round four or five range. If you think you've got to reach for fields, get them in round four ahead of Burrow. That's okay, too. I'm not going to fight you on it. And And I I will say I think I
2: actually have Burrow projected four more points. It's just much much easier for me to see Fields putting together a QB one season than Burrow.
0: Just last question, real quick. We usually do our quarterback discussions centered around six point per passing touchdown leagues. Dave, in a four point per passing touchdown league, would you take Fields over Burrow? Sure. Okay.
1: Yeah, I think Fields belongs over there. And just to put it out there on on audio, uh, Burrow twenty six point three fantasy points per game last year. Fields. From week five on twenty six point two that's not my argument to take burrow out of fields that's just telling you how damn close it is between those two guys
0: yeah I think there's probably an even better sample than that um in the last nine games I think he averaged over twenty seven points per game but he also was on pace he was on pace for like sixteen hundred rushing yards which would be you know the, the record by a mile. All right, sorry. Uh, enough on fields. He's a, he's a great breakout candidate. The running backs you provided, Heath, were Tony Pollard. I think we can skip him. Um, but let's talk about Rashad White and then a little bit on B. John Robinson as well. Uh, I'll ask you if there's a scenario where Bijan Robinson would leave this list, like which team would draft him where he'd say, oh, no, he can't break out there. But uh, why don't you answer that? And then we'll talk about Rashad White. Is there a team that drafts B. John Robinson where you go, oh, I hate it?
2: Uh, there could be a team that could draft him that would, I would say, ooh, I hate it. There is not a team that could draft him that I would say, oh, no, he can't be a breakout candidate anymore. Um, now, obviously, I'm presuming the Indianapolis Colts are not going to draft B. John Robinson and pair him with Jonathan Taylor. Um, I'm trying to work within the bounds of like reality. But he could go to the worst team in the NFL, and I think he has a chance to still be a top 12 running back.
1: Okay. Dallas has been mentioned as a yeah. landing spot for B. John Robinson.
2: I, I, th- I would be more likely to take Tony Pollard off the list than B. John Robinson.
1: So you'd have Bijan ranked ahead of Pollard, for example. Yes, I probably would, too, if they were to make that move. What about if Cleveland pulled the Dallas and th- they've got Nick Chubb for like one more year or something like that? And then they move on from Chubb and, and then B. John's there. But for this year coming up. It's both of them in the backfield in Cleveland. Is that too untethered from reality for you? Well, if that happens, then Adams take that Deshaun Watson's the best value in fantasy
2: drafts right now. It's going to be untrue because yeah. all the talk we've about them. But no, I that would probably be the worst. I can't realistically imagine them taking him, but if they I can't did either but I'm and just they didn't trade or cut Nick Chubb, then then yeah, then I would probably have Chubb ranked ahead of Bijan and they'd both be between thirteen and twenty-four.
1: So let me give you one more that I think fantasy managers might be squeamish about, but I'm not sure they should be. Bijan Robinson is the first round pick of the Buffalo Bills.
2: He'd be a top 12 running back for me, and I just think I it think- would signal. I, no, I don't think that makes any sense either because they just went and got Damian Harris and they already have James Cook. Um, but if they did that, yeah, I would assume that he's going to make the, both of those guys irrelevant.
0: It's interesting, though, with with him going to Dallas, which, you know, has been rumored and... Not rumored, but, you know, people... There's a chance, right? Let's just say there's a chance. Pollard's on a one-year franchise deal right now. They could sign him to a bigger deal, but right now it's just a one-year deal, and they could let him walk. It's really hard... Okay, it's hard to say this out loud, but I I think there's a case to be made that, just on a per-carry basis, Tony Pollard's been one of the best running backs in football since he's entered the league. Guy's been incredible. Um... I don't know and then this is you know, he's on your breakouts list too. But sure, B. John Robinson's a much better prospect than Tony Pollard, but it'll be I don't know. I don't know that you just take Pollard
2: off the field if you draft Bijan Robinson or you just make him a, a very small part of the I offense. would assume that Bijan would have Zeke's role from last year and they'd leave Pollard in his same role, and B. John and Zeke's role could still be a top ten running back.
1: With Easily. potential
2: overtake work from Pollard. Pollard was a top ten running back. Right. Yeah, they might have yeah. two top 12 running backs in that case.
0: Okay. All right, so how about Rashad White? Rashad White, kind of a big dude, ran like a 44840 at the combine a couple of years ago. Um did not have a great year, but just such a terrible offense and um I think people are going to be a little afraid of anyone on the Bucks, but they said they wanted to be a third down back. What do you think about Rashad White right now? He's th- A three-down back, not a third-down back. A three-down
2: back. Big difference between those two things. (laughs) I'm a little bit skeptical of Rashad White having that top 12 upside like Pollard does, but I do think he could be a top 15, top 20 guy and have a breakout season where he handles the ball 300 times. Um, I, the offense for the bucks worries me a little bit, so I wouldn't want to go draft white too early, but I think in that same spot that we were take talking about taking the breakout wide receivers, um, that round four five range and full PPR, I'd feel pretty good about it.
0: Dave, your thoughts on Rashad white. The bucks, by the way, just recently said they hate Rashad white. No, no, no. Wait, they like Rashad White. Sorry. Just kidding.
1: It'd be weird if they said they hated him.
0: Yeah, no, they like Rashad White. It would also be
1: refreshing. It would be a team giving When
0: When do you think we should draft Rashad White?
1: I think we should draft Rashad White. Let me me see. In in full PPR, -PPR, non-PPR, half-PPR, which league are we in today? Uh, We'll do
0: full PPR, and I'll just tell you where he went. He went in round six. He went just after Tyler Algier and Isaiah Pacheco. Mm -hmm
1: perfect spot that's where he should go that could change if the bucks go through the draft process and don't add anything at running back but I I do worry about how efficient he'll be or explosive he'll be in an offense that's going from Tom Brady a quarterback to Baker Mayfield at quarterback and Baker isn't exactly known as a guy that's you know makes kings out of anybody that he throws the football to it's a case to you know have as Mike Evans as a bust and yeah, Chris Godwin and non PPR is a bus, and I think Rashad White could follow suit and not be great, but he'll have an opportunity with some volume. You're talking about a guy that could be a low end number two fantasy running back.
0: And would you rather have Algier or Rashad White?
1: White, as of now, Algier.
0: Okay, why Heath Algier? Oh, why Heath uh, Rashad White?
2: I think he has a lot more receiving upside. And I am more concerned about the Falcons <laughs> adding someone. Like, that's the team we didn't mention for Bijan, but I, I would not be in the least bit surprised if Arthur Smith wanted to go get him some Bijan Robinson and just run the ball 700 times next year.
0: <laughs> but if he doesn't, if they don't invest in running back in the NFL draft, anything significant, let's say a day one or two pick.
2: Then- if neither team invests in running back, I still think there's a higher percentage of the touches for Rashad White. Cordero Patterson's still there. But who's gonna be better with the touch? Okay. Who do you, who's gonna be better with the touch? All right, all right. I think in YPC leagues I'd probably take Algier.
0: Well, it's not just that. It's it's you're talking about there's always a quote that stands out to me it's from Todd Bowles, who's the coach, but also defensive defensive minded coach for the Bucks. He said, The uh the Falcons, he said last year the Falcons have maybe the best run scheme in football. Yep. So it's an easy yep. run game to buy into. Oh. Okay. Um other breakouts. Oh, wide receiver, Garrett Wilson, Drake London, Christian Watson. I don't want to just skip everything. Um but we did talk about London and Watson, so I'll ask you a Garrett Wilson question. Um still on your list with no Aaron Rodgers as of yet, with Alan Lazard, with Miko Hardman, still on your breakout list because he's going to he's going to be I think at latest, at the latest around 3 pick at this point.
2: Yeah, and I think round three is where he's belonged. I've gotten a little bit less excited just due to the drama and the reminder of how high maintenance their potential new quarterback is. There's there's a lot of things that could go wrong with the with the Jets, but I don't believe that if somehow this Rodgers thing falls apart, that's going to mean that Zach Wilson's the starting quarterback. There's still multiple avenues for the Jets to go get a better quarterback than Zach Wilson, maybe starting with Ryan Tannehill, who they their coaching staff has a little connection to, I believe. Um, so that, that's that's kind of where I am. I think it's going to be better than Zach Wilson. I think it's probably going to be better than Mike White and Joe Flacco, but as long as it's as good as Mike White and Joe Flacco, Garrett Wilson's a top 12 wide receiver.
1: Do you remember what his PPR points per game was without Zach Wilson last year? I think
2: it was 17.5 with like two weeks to go, but I don't know where it finished.
1: You're way off. It was 17.3, but the number is huge, 17, and that's with Mike White, Joe Flacco, Chris Streveler. I mean, you know, Heath, this guy is great. He's a great route runner, awesome at making plays after the catch, willing to cross the field. Um, catches the ball away from his body. He's got great hands. He's he's got he's got speed, he's got everything that you want at wide receiver, except he's not a Hulk. He's not Drake London in terms of size. And as long as he's playing with a competent quarterback, he's gonna be a breakout candidate. If he's playing with a great quarterback, and I still think Aaron Rodgers is good enough to be called great, then he's got top ten potential.
0: So Garrett Wilson. <laughs> this this stat always surprises me. It might surprise you. He averaged more yards per target with Zach Wilson than he did with Mike White and Joe Flacco. Um, in the nine games that Zach Wilson and then partially Chris Streveler played, it was eight yards per target. In the eight games with Mike White and Flacco, it was 7.2 yards per target. So why were his numbers so much better? I mean, we always say because of Zach Wilson, Zach Wilson, Zach Wilson was... I think it was primarily because in those games with Zach Wilson, the Jets threw 28.7 passes per game. In the other games, they threw 45.8 passes per game. They didn't trust Zach Wilson to throw, it seems. But he still no. had good numbers when Zach Wilson played. You know, not every week. He was am- he was just incredible. And, you know, I, I kind of laughed at Dan Schneier for taking Garrett Wilson with the third pick of round two. 15th mm. overall. But... If he becomes the player that he might become, that if he becomes a star, it might be a great pick. You know, he went ahead of AJ Brown. He went ahead of Devontae Adams. He went ahead of Amandra St. Brown. Um, <laughs> it's a little rich, but you could at least see a scenario where, hey, Dan was right. We were crazy. We were wrong. No,
2: I think there's a real path to by like October 15th of this year, Garrett Wilson is the consensus number three wide receiver in Dynasty behind only Chase and Jefferson. Yeah.
0: All right, we think he's a terrific player, and you definitely want to draft him. Hopefully, you don't have to take him in round two. Um, okay, I think uh, let's go to your tight ends. Interesting uh, list there. I mean, Kyle Pitts as a breakout tight end, and Pat Fryermuth as a breakout tight end. So this is uh, honestly these these might be the two. Not to this is not to discredit your the rest of your list. To me, these are the two most interesting ones. I think they're fascinating.
2: Um, talk about Pitts. Yeah, I think and we and all and Fri- have this. the same. Like there was nothing controversial about the first part of my breakout list, I think is a good way to put it. Like those guys, I don't even like Rashad White as much as a lot of people do. Um, I expect Friermuth to probably be the spiciest. There's still enough Pitts believers hanging on to that um, hope that that he's still gonna be ranked mostly as a top five, top six tight end by the time we get to August. Uh, I just think that there was a step forward taken by Pat Friermuth last season. That was hidden by the fact that his very good fortune in the red zone in his rookie year turned into absolutely craptastic luck in his second year. And I would expect a more normal touchdown rate in e three. I think the fact that he earned 98 targets in 16 games, he absolutely has a chance to be the number two target on his own team. He was last year. He saw his yards per catch and yards per target. Increased significantly last year. We saw them use him more down the field. He had a 5.3 dot as a rookie. It was only valuable for fantasy because he scored seven touchdowns. Last year, that went up to 8.3. It was more of a not normal tight end usage. I think you're looking at a 100-target guy who could score six or seven touchdowns pretty easy. Probably ends up around seven or 800
1: yards. So could he be the exception to the rule of you've got to be the top or second to the top in targets on a team at tight end
2: no to... i think he could he, he was second on the team in targets last year i think he could be this year well dave there were two
0: exceptions this year george kittle and evan ingram were both top six tight ends and they were not top five in targets it
2: kind of or they were, were not top two. top
0: two in targets on their team
2: so you have to project a, a big increase in ability to earn targets from george pickens to think that Friar Muth's not going to be second on his team in targets.
1: Or a downgrade in targets to Deontay Johnson, but I don't think that's happening. I can't make that case. And I'm a huge fan of Pickens, and I know that uh, many on the Steelers are as well. And that's why I have a hard time saying that Friar Muth is a great breakout tight end. But at the same time, he was sixth among tight ends in targets per game last year. And that was when he was sharing with Pickens and Johnson for a while, Chase Claypool was on that team, so there were others as well. So I can't I can't just straight up say forget about Fryermuth. But I, I wouldn't make him I, I wouldn't prioritize him in drafts. You keep the name in mind if you're if you're waiting till the back half of the draft to take a tight end.
0: Do you think that Pat Fryermuth needs Kenny Pickett to be good for him to have a breakout season? For for Fryermuth to have a breakout season.
1: Well, define good. Are we talking about Pickett having <laughs> league,
0: league average quarterback?
1: It'll help considering the other targets that are on the team. So yeah,
2: I just want to say again: Firemuth played one fewer game than George Pickens last year and had fourteen more targets. So there, who, there are you, who are you projecting be- for more targets? I think I project Pickens and Firemooth for the same number of targets next year. Okay.
0: Um. Yeah. I mean, I think the, I think you know, if I were, I I think I'm going to make the argument that most people listening might make. Because if I did a Twitter poll right now and just polled the public, who do you think is getting more targets? I feel like they'd pick Pickens. Oh, so, I'm sure, no, I'm certain right? that they would. So, so when I argue with you, a lot of times I'm trying to argue with you from the standpoint of this is what I think the general public is going to feel. And I think the general public would feel like if the Steelers want to be better offensively, they should probably throw more to George Pickens and less to Pat Fryermuth. Not that Fryermuth's bad, but that Pickens can do things that Fryermuth can't.
2: Yeah, I I think that usually, though, when they're making that argument, it's because a guy in the second half of the year showed, like a Monrest St. Brown, um, like many other wide receivers, showed an ability to earn targets that increased as the year went on. Yeah, Pickens had two games all year with more than six targets, three. They happened in three consecutive weeks, week three, four, and five. Yeah. He was a four to five target guy down the stretch. And I – I don't want to – I like Pickens a lot, and he's going to be in the article as a potential um, breakout candidate because he does such great things when he does earn targets that if he can improve that ability and earn more targets, he could be spectacular. But he has to do that first. I don't think, Dave, I don't know if you remember, he was – he didn't play a lot. He was never a guy who earned a lot of targets in college either.
1: No, it's true. Yeah. Fair point. Yeah, yeah. I agree. But yeah. Overrated he, a year. He was always the prospect that didn't get that ton of work in college, but could still translate to be a very good pro. Um, and here's the other thing about it is that if if I, I would agree that they could be close in targets. I don't think we're looking at a year where it's going to be George Pickens with 140 targets and, and Pat Fryermuth with <clears throat> ninety targets. I think they'll be pretty close. And so the better value on draft day, it's going to be Fryermuth because Pickens is going to go in that round six-ish range. Friermuth won't sniff that ever.
0: Uh, Friermuth or Evan Ingram?
1: Ingram.
2: Okay. Like You want to talk about a guy who has a lot more increased target competition from last year. That's Evan
1: Ingram. That's fair to say, but I still think Ingram is going to get picked at least a round ahead of Friermuth. Ingram really showed us something first year in a new offense. I don't see his role completely going up into the ether. By
0: the way, you know what? I think, here's here's a bold take. The player that impacts, the teammate that impacts Pat Fryermuth the most is TJ TJ Watt. (laughs) Their team is totally different when he plays. They throw a lot more because they give up a lot more points. And the numbers just overall for the three players, Johnson, Fryermuth, Pickens, after the bye when TJ Watt came back, I mean, the targets were way down for all of them. They threw six fewer times per game. They faced easier offenses, so that may have been why they gave up fewer points. But their defense is so much better when he's on the field, and I think they'll be a lot more run-heavy. They'll try anyway with that bum.
2: (laughs) I don't remember what happened that was so strange with Friar season. Because after the buy, mm-hmm. you're you're right about the the offense. But after the buy, he had seven targets in the first game, twelve in the next, four, five, six, and then he had a game where he played fifty six percent of the snaps and didn't see a target. Yeah, and then eight and six targets. Like he he was averaging about six to seven targets a game in those, except for that one game where they just never threw the ball. Well, he was on pace for
0: 94 targets, which you said he'll get about 100. So he was on pace for 94 targets in the last nine games of the year with T.J. Watt. They went 7-2 and in those games, and they threw 31 times per game. So it's certainly easy to see Frymuth getting to 100 targets. All right, um, question on Kyle Pitts. And uh, when you say Kyle Pitts breakout, you know, what does that mean? Does that mean he finally fulfills the promise and becomes an absolute stud, or just— he has a really good year. He's like a fourth round pick.
2: <laughs> yeah, I think the second one probably, but if he's a fourth round pick, that means he's a top top 3 or 4 tight end. Um I I I think would it count as a breakout if he just did what he did his rookie year, but he scored a normal amount?
0: Yeah, over a 1000 yards and what? 5-6 touchdowns? That yeah. A, yeah, that'd be good, right? But but do you see league winning potential?
2: Pitts. I don't think it's likely that both London turns into a top twelve wide receiver and Pitts finishes as tight end one, but I could see Pitts as a top five tight end and London as a top twelve wide receiver. Dave,
1: would you good? Would you take fifty five catches, seven hundred and two yards, no. three touchdowns? Oh, no, <laughs> ew, gross. Go away. What if that was in twelve games? Though, <laughs> what if it wasn't oh. in? <laughs> 17 games. Because he might miss some games. That's such a a cool game to play. You're going
0: to give me stats that you're
1: going to take away five games?
0: I'm a a jerk.
1: setting me up for failure there. Okay, so maybe I'll give you somebody else. Um, Let's say he plays 17 games, and he catches 86 passes for 914 yards and six touchdowns. Yep. Yeah. Is that a league winner? No. But it's a good pick. That was TJ Hawkinson last year, and he was fourth in PPR points per game. But based on where I think we're going to see Pitts get picked, that's the stat line you need to hope he crosses to. He's got to get to that, which is basically what Heath said. He basically said he's got to get his yardage from his rookie year with some normal touchdown numbers. That's it. That's lower than that. Yeah, so it's lower. Over 1,000 yards, six touchdowns, 75 catches, something like that. If, if, that's what you've got to hope for if you're taking Kyle Pitts as the third or fourth tight end off the board.
0: Well, we don't have a ton of time for Dave's breakouts, and I apologize. Luckily, there is some overlap, but we'll talk about guys like Cam Akers, Samaj P. Ryan, Kenneth Gainwell, Jerry Judy, Nico Collins. We'll be right back with Dave's breakouts on Fantasy Football Today.
2: Should you ever set foot outside of the motel, you will be shot.
1: Uh, don't worry about it. I was a monster to you by playing that wicked game of, here's some stats. Oh, wait, he played this many games. And I'll send you some breakouts. Oh, wait, I'll do it two hours before the show. Yeah, that's all right.
0: I, mean, I wasn't punishing you. But um, all right. So I want to talk about Cam Akers. Your, your breakout list that you gave me was Tony Pollard, Cam Akers, Samaje P. Ryan, Kenneth Gainwell, and basically every second year running back, uh, right. including Khalil Herbert, who's a third year running back. Um, but uh, (laughs) um, Cam Akers, all right, does he pick up where he left off? The last six games of the year, he was a top four running back. He was top six per game. I know you're not going to project him for that, but at least as a workhorse running back and a kind of a must-start guy, does Cam Akers pick up where he left off?
1: 17.7 PPR points per game in his last six games with the Rams. He got out of the doghouse with Sean McVay. And look, I know that the Rams, as, as a team, their defense isn't going to be as good. Their offense, huge question marks. They don't have a lot of draft capital to try and improve their team this April. So I wonder if they just settle on starting the year with Cam Akers. And it's a completely different year than you know, 12 months ago for Akers, where he was coming back from the Achilles. He didn't look explosive in camp. There was, there was no great news about him. It felt like he was going to be a bad fantasy pick, and he turned out to be one until those last six games. And that might be what saves him and makes him a breakout candidate for this year. If he stays healthy and he looks like the guy that he was at the end of last season, he's going to have the best numbers of his career, and he'll be a number two fantasy running back. All right, how about with that
0: Rashad White, Tyler Algier, Isaiah Pacheco group? Is Cam Akers ahead or behind that group?
1: I actually have acres ahead of those guys, but it's based on the hunch that he is the Rams' lead running back to start the year.
2: And, Heath, where do you fall in that group? I currently have him behind those guys. I I will probably get more excited about him and the Rams' offense outside of Cooper Cup if we get to training camp and Matthew Stafford's a full participant and everything seems like it's okay. I just – I think there's a every bit as much risk with this Rams offense as there is with the Bucks offense, maybe even more.
0: I did a very tedious and annoying exercise yesterday. Well, I never do any actual exercise, but a research exercise about running backs. I, I've made the point over and over that, you know, when you're looking for top 12 wide receivers, the offense matters. You don't find a lot of top 12 wide receivers on offenses that rank 20th or lower in scoring. Um, but it's a little bit of a different story with running backs. It's been about three or four per year finishing top 12. Now, I'm not asking Cam Akers to finish top 12, but just to put this in perspective, about three or four per year recently uh, finishing top 12 on offenses that rank 20th or lower. I, I can say with there's clarity that offense doesn't matter as much for running back as it does for wide receiver. Um, so just keep that in mind, because I think people are going to use that against Rashad White. They're going to use that against Cam Akers, depending on how they view the Rams' offense. It's just not as important at that position. Not to say it's not important, but it's not as important.
2: What I would be interested in is what those those three or four running backs each year, what what do they share in common? Are they all pass catchers? No. it's like, okay.
0: like You know what? A lot of them were on the Bears. <laughs> Jordan Howard did it twice. David Montgomery. Um, a lot of them, you know, I think had a lot of work. I can go back and look. But obviously workload's big. There was a year where Duke Johnson snuck in there, and he did it on the back of a lot of – a lot of catches. Uh, I don't have an answer for you right now. I don't know if there's a common thread, but workload is obviously extremely important at the running back position.
2: I would also think if you're using full season and not per game numbers, like it just so happened that every year three or four teams on bad offenses stay healthy for 17 games.
0: Yeah, it's it's possible. Um, yeah. Uh, also, I will point out... All right, actually, let me ask you this. Cam Akers, that l- those last six games top six running back per game, top four overall. All of that without Matthew Stafford and Cooper Cup. Does that help, hurt, or not affect the
1: argument for Cam Akers? Having Cooper Cup back should help the the matchups for him on a play-to-play basis, potentially make him more efficient. Uh, But it hurts because it means that they might throw significantly more with Stafford Compared to mm-hmm. with Baker Mayfield.
0: Okay. Samaj um, Samaje Ryan. I think uh,
1: you want to get into that or I can do it quickly. Yeah, he's just getting, he he has a chance to get a huge opportunity in Denver. This is the the current coaching staff signed him. Sean Payton has been really excited talking about what Samaj P. Ryan can do. We've seen what Samaj P. Ryan can do when he's the only back in an offense. And with Javante Williams not necessarily being ready for the start of the season, he's got a chance to really cement himself as a big part of what Denver does. And we know that even when, when Javante comes back, man, Javante is going to have to make just an insane amount of progress coming back from the ACL to really keep P. Ryan in a limited role. But P. Ryan could still be the passing downs back and still give some service to fantasy managers you know, as a midseason, bi-week running back a number three running back, maybe even a low end number two running back in full PPR. But there's a chance that Javante just doesn't play like himself the year coming off of an ACL. And that just opens the door for P Ryan to have that one magical season uh, where he's just awesome for fantasy. He's somebody I'm looking for in all my drafts. Would love to get him in that round seven to eight range. I think that's where I'm going to end up with P Ryan.
0: Um. Kenneth Gainwell was on your breakouts list. Uh, I think, okay, so we're obviously playing the uh, Rashad Penny's going to get hurt game. Why is everybody on? That's a pretty easy game to win, Adam. Yeah. Yeah, no, you should play it. Why Gainwell over Boston Scott?
1: Because I think that Gainwell has a little bit more explosiveness to him. And in a PPR league can catch a little bit more. Not a lot. He's not... Like necessarily uh, a locked in target in this offense, they don't throw a ton to their running backs, or at least they yeah. haven't. But I, I think that he's somebody I, you could draft them both late, and you just wait for for uh, for Rashad Penny to get hurt in October, and then there's a chance where Gamewell can be helpful, and they've used Gamewell in short yardage situations just like they've used Boston Scott. So I'm totally happy to take that double-digit round risk on Kenneth Gainwell. I had a little bit of an issue with him. Like, Is he more of a sleeper than a breakout? Yeah, He might be. He might not be the type of guy that's going to help you win your league, but it will help you win some weeks. And also, you have to play the the, the game of, well, are the Eagles going to draft another running back? Yeah. Because we talked about some bad landing spots for B. John Robinson. Oh, my gosh. If, if, if Philadelphia takes B. John Robinson with the 10th overall pick, It changes all the math for the Philadelphia running backs. It basically renders them all zeros because Bijan should have a monster. I would love to see them.
2: Okay. Uh, Yeah. yeah, I I would just, one other thing I would say in response to your question to Dave, like the answer of why Kenneth Gainwell and not Boston Scott could just be the playoffs. Mm -hmm. Like we just saw them give 40 touches to Kenneth Gainwell. And I think 15 to Boston Scott in the playoffs.
0: Yeah, that made a
1: lot of money off of Gainwell in the playoffs.
0: Gainwell had uh, 33 player carries. Player. A lot of the carries for Gainwell were garbage times. They slaughtered uh, the Giants and the 49ers. But it, they, he had the same amount of carries as Miles Sanders in the Super Bowl. They both had seven carries. And he definitely was getting a lot more work than Boston Scott. In the regular season, they had the same amount of carries. Though Scott had one more. Uh, Gainwell had a lot more catches, though. Okay, let's see. Back to Dave's, Dave's breakouts here. Let's see. Let's talk about Jerry Judy. So when you do have these second-year guys, Watson and London, obviously Wilson and Olave, I can't make the case right now for Judy over them, but when you get to the next group of, I guess it's Watson and London, yeah, probably a gap between them and anyone else like Burks or Dotson or Jamison Williams or whatever. Uh, what about Watson, London versus Jerry Judy, Dave? How do you rank them?
1: I currently have Judy ahead of them, but it's, it's almost in the decision was made based on Judy being in the league a little bit longer. And I'm putting some serious hope in Russell Wilson managing this iteration of the Broncos offense more than what we saw last year. And late last year is really where my optimism springs from because Judy averaged over 20 PPR points per game in those final five games. Sutton played in the last three of those five games. And even in those games with Cortland Sutton back, it was 17.6 PPR points per game for Judy. I am hopeful that Jerry Judy will get the the biggest target share and uh, the most opportunity to make plays after catch and be the number one receiver for Denver uh, in in this Sean Payton offense.
0: I think I need you guys to literally come over here and pour cold water on me because I am going to fall into the same trap. Like last year, this was me and Sutton. Now it's going to be me and Judy. I am just all about Jerry Judy right now. I see so many things in the profile that I absolutely love. And two seasons ago, he was better than Cortland Sutton when they played together, On you know, when they were on the field at the same time. But I didn't really care because I just felt like, okay, new quarterback, nothing from the prior regime mattered. And Sutton seemed like the guy that fit Russell Wilson. And I think they really tried to make that work the first four or five weeks. And it just didn't work. And then Judy just dominated after that. Judy was so much better than Sutton. And he was great. I mean, he was fifth among wide receivers with 50 or more targets. He had the fifth highest explosive catch rate. He had the seventh most yards per yak per catch. Seventh most yards after catch per catch. So he makes plays after. He's just. I don't know. I mean, it's his fourth year, and he's kind of burned people before as a breakout candidate, but I think it's
1: going to happen. Myself included. I think it's,
0: it's going to happen. I think he's going to be
2: really good. Uh, definitely a post-hype sleeper, um, although if you continue to hype him up, then he can't be a post-hype sleeper. Yeah, he will just be yeah. a continual hype sleeper. <laughs> uh, a Good breakout candidate. I, my concerns are like – does Sean we've like we've talked plenty on this show about how Sean Payton's going to bring in a, a run heavy approach? How Sean Payton offense means more targets for the running backs? How Sean Payton offense has always been good for targets for the tight ends? Um, like Michael Thomas and Marcus Colston are kind of the two good wide receivers in Sean Payton offenses. And Marcus Colston, if he has a Marcus Colston season, I don't think that's a breakout for Jerry Judy. So, I there's a lot of question marks. How many targets are there? Is he going to dominate targets over Sutton and Tim Patrick, who's back? And yeah. apparently the Broncos love the potentials there, but I do have him behind all those second round wide, second year wide receivers.
0: Yeah. Uh, um, Brandon Cook's also good in Sean Payton's offense.
2: He did have a, a year or two, didn't he? That's right. I missed that.
0: Jimmy Graham was, you know, basically a wide receiver, right? I mean,
2: yeah, but he counts toward the tight end. <laughs> Greg Dulcich has taken the Jimmy Graham targets. I am
0: concerned about the Tim Maybe Patrick thing pitch. because Jerry Judy was one of the, you know, he was like 75% in the slot two years ago. And I don't want that for him. I want him to move around. You know, I don't want him to be confined to the slot. I don't know if that will happen with Sutton, Patrick, and Judy, but. There there are concerns. Also, he he made so much of his fantasy production in that game against the Chiefs where they trailed like 24-0 or something and came back. But um all right. I glad there's some Jerry Judy enthusiasm. I didn't even get Jacob Gibbs on here because he'll he'll definitely uh <laughs> pump up Judy. I know he loves Judy. I won't be the high guy on Judy when I get Jacob on here. Let's pick a couple more, Dave, and we'll wrap it up. And let's go with Let's go with Nico Collins well the the trio of Isaiah Hodgins, Nico Collins, and KJ Osborne interesting trio there Hodgins yeah. Collins Osborne
1: more again more sleepery than breakouty you can make the case for Hodgins that he's got a shot to break out based on how he finished last year and how he seems to be the only wide receiver for the Giants that isn't like a prototypical slot guy. he's an outside receiver, and well, maybe Slayton. there's something there that they can really build on in New York. Did they, bring, they brought back Slayton, right? Yeah. Yeah, yeah. but he's, he's more of a deep threat guy. Yes, he's an out, outside guy. Too. You're right. He's more of a deep threat
0: guy, though. You're right.
1: Yeah, last five games, 15.2 fantasy points per game for Isaiah Hodgins. Uh, I, I think that he could see a few more targets next year in New York and, and still be a, a key figure there and certainly a big guy in the red zone. So I think he's got some breakout potential. Is he going to be the guy that helps you win your league? He's going to be a guy that helps you fill out your lineups. Might be a number three receiver that you can draft in round nine plus. Same thing potentially for KJ Osborne. If it ends up that he's the number two receiver in Minnesota, I I do have a hard time believing that he can overtake Hawkinson for number two on the team in, in targets, but I bet it's close between those two guys. And if, if that's the case, then I'd rather bet on the guy that I can draft later, which is Osborne. Osborne could be a round 10 player. And Nico Collins is in that exact same range. I don't know who the best receiver will be in Houston. It's a team that still should throw a decent amount. They're Definitely getting an upgraded quarterback, whether it's Stroud or Bryce Young. And Nico Collins can, I think he's just good enough to break away from tight coverage um, on, break, you know, like a, a hitch route or a dig, something like that where he can get open for that second and make a catch and use his physicality to fight for a few extra yards. He might be number one in Houston in in targets.
0: Okay. Uh, I feel like Heath was going to say something that he totally stopped.
1: Well, no, I
2: was just waiting for you, Adam, because I want to make sure that this is – I can actually feel slighted, but – like your intuition coming in when you saw these lists of names for breakouts was make fun of <laughs> the guy who picked a rookie, not make fun of a guy who half his list are sleepers.
1: <laughs> <laughs> it's okay. It's fine.
0: Well, you know, it depends on your your definition. Based on my definition of breakouts, yeah, those guys are sleepers. They win you weeks, but some people. I would say agree. Breakouts
1: but when, when I have put the best year of the ever. list together, it's more like guys who can have a career year, best well. year of their career. Yeah, yeah.
0: Okay, well, that was a good show. Thank you, guys. Everybody made fun of everybody, and I've already set myself uh, self up to be made fun of for Jerry Judy when he gets off to a bad start. Thank you very much for watching and listening, everybody. Go vote, 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 vote. Sportspodcastgroup.com, the fantasy and sports betting category. We need your help. You only got one day left. Please help us out. Uh, for Dave and Heath and Thomas, I'm Adam. We'll talk to you tomorrow with early busts
1: on Fantasy Football Today.